0: So I want you to turn with me, if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue our Summer on the Mount series, but Matthew chapter 6, while you're turning there, a uh, little bit of background on what we're reading. We're reading uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so what we're doing over this whole series has taken nine weeks to break down what is probably one of the first big messages that Jesus, is, that Jesus preaches, covers a ton of topics, and so... Uh, Today, I want to talk about a really important one. And so, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read quite a bit today. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. And so it goes like this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's keep going, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue streets and on the corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask of Him. Verse 9 says, Then this is how you should pray. This is a familiar prayer if you've been in part as of a church body before. It's our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today your daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Verse 16, And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces and show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have already received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on oil on your head, wash your face, in verse 18 and final one, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret, he will, he will reward you. I want to preach on one word today. One word that's got a powerful influence in all of our lives and the real reason behind we do things. And that word is this, motives. I'll talk about motives today. Motives are important. In fact, why you do something is almost more important than doing something. And so I want to talk about motives, spiritual motives today and how that applies to your life. But how about this? How about I take a moment and I pray for you and then you pray for me. Does that sound good? Come on, go church. Y'all awake. This ain't 8 a.m. Come on. I'll pray for you. You pray for me, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, every person in this house, even those watching online, Lord, I pray right now, you would just begin to clear our mind of every distraction. I come against distraction in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would open the ears and the minds of the hearts of those in this room. God, release the word that you've prepared today, Lord. God, let it it change our hearts and change our minds as we give you the honor and the glory for not only what you've done in the past and what you're doing now, but Lord, we give you the praise for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. And why, why do we have... The wrong motives seriously why why do we as human beings uh, tend to get a little shady sometimes why do we take shortcuts why do we always want uh, like the fastest way to get to something why are we always trying to bend around the looks of something like why do we have wrong motives why is manipulation even a part of who we are as human beings like why does it why is it even around and Let's just be real. No one, not even the holiest person that you know, is exempt from manipulation. No one. In fact, manipulators, it, they do the right thing, but they're doing it for the wrong reason. And pretty soon, after they show up on the scene, their real agenda really begins to come forth. How many of you have ever had new friends in your life that after a while, it was revealed their real intention? Anybody? Anybody, anybody ever just, you, 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 you had somebody, maybe you were the boss, and they were all about you there for a little bit. And all of a sudden, they came to you, and you realize uh, it's like Dwight from The Office. They're just assistant to the regional manager. Like, they're just, they're just all about you, but they have these backdoor, these backroom intentions with everything that they do. You know, I got a confession to make, you know, just being straight up. Uh, I've manipulated before. In fact, uh, currently we're manipulating, and I'm just this is confession time for me. Is that okay? Is that safe? Is this a safe place for me to be honest? You know, we're blessed in my house with three amazing children. I have two identical twins that are almost one year old. August 4th, man, they're precious. Raleigh and Addison, uh, they run the show. Let's just be real. Uh, and then Judah, who just turned three, and so, bedtime at my house, it can be a wild affair, all right? It definitely takes two people to do. And uh, we, we give everybody a bath, and then the girls are going to go to sleep first. And so, everybody gets their pajamas on, and we take a moment, we pray over the kids, and then we read a story, and then uh, we always sing, Jesus Loves Me. Well, you know it takes two people to lay the, to rock two babies and, and to lay them down safely. I'm, I've done it, like, kind of doing it by myself. Um but you cannot let a three-year-old just run loose in your house. Like anybody that ever had a three-year-old know what I'm talking about? Like you can't, they cannot have free reign where there's like knives and the TV remote and like all the things that are, that are dangerous or important in the house. And so one of the things that we started doing was my son, he's obsessed with tools, like legitimately obsessed with tools. In fact, he brought a, a toy jigsaw to Go Kids today. And he's running around just going, it's a jigsaw. It's a jigsaw. Like all about tools. And so what I've done is I've said, hey, if you you sit right here and you behave, guess what? We're going to play with tools after the girls go to bed. But you gotta clean your toys up first and you gotta sit here and you gotta you gotta wait till we put the girls down. So my son immediately he's like, he's he's just picking up toys, and believe me, they're not even close to being organized. That dude is throwing more toys in a bag than than a, a cashier at Publix. Like he's just like whoom, whoom, woom. woom, woom. And uh, he fills the bag full, and then while we're praying, getting ready to put the girls down, he runs in the room, and he's like, Jesus loves me, this I know, and like, we're not ready for that yet, but he knows if he can sing it and get it going, like, we can speed this process up, like, I'm trying to get to tools. I know you're trying to put my sisters down. That's irrelevant to me in this moment. Like, I want to go play with tools. You're taking forever. And he'll just keep singing, Jesus loves me. And he sings it real fast, too. Like, it's like, we're trying to have a moment. He's just like, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And while I offered up the tools as a manipulation to keep my son still, my son is manipulating the pace at which I put my daughters down. And it's this, this like, sick, vicious cycle in my house, right? Like, I, I used the tools as a motivator to get them to behave. I'm just going to be honest, you know. And some of you are like, that's not manipulation, man. That's parenting. Come on. <laughs> like, that's just normal. Like, you're just, you're doing what we're all doing. You're doing what your mom did, you know. But no one, no one wants people around them that have an ulterior motive. Like, no one wants... Hidden agenda people in their life, hidden agenda people, they always seem to try and crack the foundation of everything you're trying to work on. Like hidden agenda people, just being real honest, uh, can be annoying. Just, they're annoying. And, uh, and I believe that the Lord is, is just as concerned about your agenda with your relationships at work as much as he is about your hidden agenda with spiritual things. I want you to write this down, man. Wrong, wrong motives will eventually lead to wrong results. Always. Always. Wrong motives always eventually lead to wrong results. It may not be immediate. You might get a temporary fix on something that you're wanting. But at, at the end of the day, the truth always shows its face. The Bible says what's done in the dark will always be brought to the light. Like, it's, it's going to come out eventually, and wrong motives for spiritual things, behaviors, habits is exactly what Jesus is kind of touching on in this particular part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so I want to hit up really what three major components, I believe, of the spiritual walk and the spiritual journey. And so G- Jesus, he touches on them. The very first one is this thought of generosity right there at the beginning. Generosity. I want you to keep your Bibles out if you've got them. If you've got the Bible app pulled up on your phone, you can do so. I'm going to keep jumping back into the word. And so I want to read just verses 2 through 4 real fast again. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others because truly I tell you, they have already received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what's done in secret, will, will reward you. Man, generosity can be incredibly powerful in your life, in your walk, in your faith journey, if you do it with the right motives. So let's talk a little bit about generosity with the right motives. It produces a change in your heart. Like when you choose to give to somebody in need, it seems like God all of a sudden awakens to your vision and and the things around you, all the needs of the things around you. And I promise you this, I've noticed this thing about the Lord. The more you become generous with what he gives you, the more he gives you because he wants you to be generous to other people he wants you to bless other people and obviously when you give to somebody it's a blessing to them right and uh, if we had to define generosity let's just call it like this let's say generosity is giving uh taking what you have and giving it freely without expecting anything in return and so you're blessing other people and then the third thing I think I think generosity just opens the door for God to bless you abundantly I really do I really believe, uh, I've seen it in my own life. Again, uh, didn't grow up with a whole lot. And, uh, but my parents, they, they were always givers. And every need we ever had was always met. And we grew up with a great family. And I grew up in a, in a household that loved the Lord. And there's some things that money can buy. And then there's things like that that money will never buy. But man, did they make a difference in my life, man. It's the generosity, the generosity of the Lord. In fact, we talk a lot about Go Church, about generosity. In fact, if you attend MoveTrack, and I encourage you, if you haven't, you should. Uh, we talk about this, this phrase, we get to give. Like, we get to give, and when we give, we get to be a part of what God God is doing. And, and, I, and I grew up learning this, this concept, is that there's genuine blessing tied to genuine generosity. In fact, you may have heard this scripture before, but Luke chapter 6, Jesus speaks directly to it. He says, give, and it will be given unto you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and will be poured out into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. Now, this, this is not a, a message on money, but I want to illustrate something to you. I want to show you what the Lord says about blessing, about favor, about what he wants to do in your life, because I want you to know that if you have the wrong motives in giving and being generous, you will literally rob yourself of all those things. Because God God doesn't want somebody with an ulterior motive. God doesn't want somebody with this hidden agenda. That's giving to be seen and giving to be noticed and giving to get a pat on the back or giving to get their name on a building. When you give in secret, you give out of this right motive and this right heart. And generosity in secret, it never goes unnoticed by God. It always gets seen by God and it gets honored by the Lord. I think Jesus is really trying to drive home this this point right here. Generosity bragged about robs the intent of the action. It robs it. It it takes away. People, People know when your motives are wrong. Like, come on, let's just be real. Like, people know when you're just having a conversation with them to have a conversation with them. Like, people know when you jump on their team why you really want to be on their team. There's a lot of times we meet people in life that have gifts and they want to give us gifts, but those gifts are attached with some strings of, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Somewhere down the road I'm going to need a favor, I'm going to need to cash in on this. But what I love about God is that he freely gives In fact, he gave his only son so that you and I could have life, the second chance at it. People can sense when you're being deceptive. And if you're doing it for the blessing of man, let me tell you something. If you're doing it for the blessing and praise of man, don't worry. That's exactly what you're going to receive. Like you're going to receive the praise of man. People are going to talk about you. They're going to be wowed by you. But what you won't receive is something that man could never give you, and that's the blessings of God. And many times we hype it up in culture about, it's got to be about the content, it's got to be about the views, it's got to be about the people you know and the stage you're standing on. But let me tell you what, some of the most rewarded people in history and most rewarded in heaven are ones you've never heard of. Ones you've never heard of. They've operated behind the scenes for years and God's honored it, God's blessed them. In fact, Jesus says, hey, if you give in order to receive praise, then praise will, all, will be all you receive. I want you to write this, this down, this thought on prayer, I mean, on generosity. God wants to bless our generosity, but God won't bless generosity with a hidden agenda. He won't. God, God won't bless anything with a hidden agenda. He's the creator of truth. God's never lied to you. God has promises that he's always fulfilled. And so when we come about deceptive ways because of who we are as human beings and our sin nature, God's not going to honor that. He's not going to honor what we're trying to do. So generosity is like the first component of this whole thing. But Jesus jumps into the second part, and I want to talk about prayer. Like prayer. prayer, Prayer's whole purpose is to connect with God on an intimate level. Prayer has a ton of aspects. In fact, we could probably do a nine-week series on prayer, uh, because it's just, man, prayer, prayer is powerful. It's powerful. And uh, prayer is this natural result of a relationship that you have with God. And I think about it this way. Uh, we went out to dinner Friday night uh, to celebrate my birthday. That was a couple weeks ago. We went out with some uh, of the church staff. And uh, we went to this restaurant, and it was it was awesome. But I'm, the, I'm a kind of foodie person. Where are my foodies at? Anybody? Raise your hand. You love some food. Come on. God's blessed it. I'm going to eat it. And uh, I always get something different at a restaurant every time. My wife is a creature of habit, however. And within 30 seconds, I looked at that menu and I was like, yep, she's going to order the scallops. And about 10 minutes later, she said, I think I want to get the scallops. You know, (laughs) I was like, cha-ching, I'm getting better at this marriage thing, right? And she ordered it, she got it, it was phenomenal. But here's why I'm saying that, like, I know those things about Emily, because we're in relationship with each other. I've seen her order food, I've seen her eat food, I've seen her, I've seen her talk about different stuff, I know her interests and her likes. We've had conversation, we've had communication. And the same thing goes with your relationship with God. Many of us don't know what God wants or what God's trying to order in our life and order in our universe because we've not spent enough time with God. Our conversations with God revolve around the blessing at the dinner table, and if I say it, it goes something like this to the king. <laughs> Or good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Like like some of us, that's the extent of our prayer, like our prayer life then, or when we lay our heads down to sleep, like we give God 30 seconds. But I'm telling you, if you will unlock the power of prayer, you'll realize that it is the lifeblood of a believer. It is so important. It means means everything. In fact, the devil would really like, you have an enemy out there who would really like to pollute it, uh, disgrace it distract you from doing it, keep you from from pressing forward on it. He'd like to stop anything you're trying to preach, pray, proclaim, talk to God about. He knows that it's the one thing that can stop what he's doing here on earth. Prayer can stop the work of the enemy in your life and in your kid's life. And so it's his desire to keep you from doing it in prayer. Prayer is both, you know what it is, it's both easy and hard, okay? It's easy because... There's, it's just a straight up conversation with the Lord. You literally have access to God in heaven before the throne. You don't need to go through some seance or some ritual. You don't need ordination. You don't need a degree. You don't need another human being to do it for you. Like you can talk. If you're a believer, you can talk directly to God. And you can just share what's on your heart. And that, that is what makes Christianity so great. It's like you have an open line with the one person who's crazy about you and gave his son for you and wants to give you life and give you blessings. Like God, God's right there for you. And the enemy knows that. So while it's also easy, prayer is also very hard. It's very hard. It's hard because you have an enemy who understands its effectiveness. Let me tell you this. More has been done for the kingdom of God through prayer than anything else. Like, like kids have come home and revival has broken out because someone chose to take time to pray. And, and, and here's where we get it wrong. Many people want to preach, speak, lead, sing on the front line, whatever you want to call it. They want to be like, put me in the spotlight. That's what I want. But if you want to make a real difference, man, you better pray. Pray. Learn how to pray before you learn how to preach. If you learn how to pray, let me tell you what, you'll preach. But if you learn how to preach first and not pray, you'll never preach really well. Man, prayer is hard. Don't believe me? Try and do it. Try and take some time out of your day to pray in the morning. Let's just say we're going to take 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Here's how it goes. Usually you get up in the morning and you're like, I'm going to take some time to pray. You start to drink a cup of coffee and you go out on the back porch and you begin to pray. And all of a sudden you just begin to get real sleepy again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like My dad, my dad used to be like, I can't sleep. He'd be like, go back in your room and pray. <laughs> yeah, he'll put you to sleep uh and like it'll put you to sleep or or your kids will be banging on the door breaking a glass in the other room like distraction or or how about this like you'll be praying and all of a sudden out of of nowhere you'll get a phone call from one of those car warranty companies letting you know you got 24 hours to respond before your car explodes with your children in it like you know it's always like gotta do it now how did you get my number i don't even i don't even have a car payment how did you get my number Man, but prayer, prayer is hard because distraction is real. If you got your phone in your hand, you know what I'm talking about right now. Some of y'all on Facebook, stop it. (laughs) Like distraction's real. In fact, distraction is one of the strongest tactics that the devil uses. He he doesn't want to kill you. He wants to distract you. Because have you ever met a distracted driver like in the parking lot? Like they'll do a lot of damage to other cars. And you'll do a lot of damage to people around you, believers around you, church people around you, the reputation of the church. If you're a distractive, distracted, wrongly motivated believer. But man, when, you, when somebody can pray, boy, it's good. Everybody somebody that can pray. I mean, like, when they pray, it's like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Like, it's, it's good. I'm not talking about those people that, like, when they pray, they're like, daddy, God, we come before you today. And if you're in here and you're a Daddy God person, let me, on behalf of everyone in this room, tell you politely to stop. Because it's weird. Right? Can I get an amen from somebody in the crowd? Right? Like, you ever met somebody that could pray? Man, my dad, man, my dad can straight up pray. I'm going to tell you, my dad, my dad has touched heaven many times. Like, he can pray. In fact, growing up, man, it used to be super annoying. We used to ride the bus Right? So we tried to get out the door to go to the bus. And my dad would be like, stop. We need to pray. Everyone gather around in a circle. And without a doubt, it was always that moment when uh, I didn't finish a project. And I was about to finish that project on the bus ride. Because we had an hour and a half bus ride. Hello. I grew up in the country uh, to school. And like I was like, I'm going to do my homework. But my dad was like, we need to pray. I'm like, you need to pray. I need to get on the bus. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, but man, he would always stop us to pray. But man, without a doubt, I grew up in a, in a rural, eastern North Carolina, Pentecostal church. Like I grew up with the, with the saints of old. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody grow up in holiness in here? You know, you did not wear holes in your jeans, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, man, we would have church, man. We would just go in and it would, without a doubt, every time we get ready to leave and the pastor would be like, Brother Stan, I'd like for you to pray. And my dad, man, he just, he always loved to pray, honored to pray, just begin to pray. And man, man, it, heaven would just begin to come down. And you know it's starting to get good when when there's a lady in the back and she's like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, go ahead. Like, and the glory bomb just starts, they're going back into a song like 10 times. All of a sudden there's a lady in the back and, and she's just like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Where are my saints at? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know, like, and I would be like, "Come on, man! You ask my dad, we're for sure not making it to lunch now. My God, we're gonna be eating at Shoney's again, lolly! Like, like always, man. Because, man, the presence of God would just come down, man. People can pray, man. Prayer, prayer. When people are rightly motivated by prayer, man, prayer is powerful. It makes. Significant change here on earth. In fact, prayer, prayer with the right motives, it's always quick to give God the glory. Always. It always is quick to give God praise and thanks for not only what He's done, but what God's gonna do prophetically. You know, prayer, prayer is a cherished time. It's not, it's not a moment to breeze through, it's not 30 seconds and you're done for the day. Congratulations, you got your gold star. In fact, the word says, pray without ceasing. Some of you are like, how do you even do that? I gotta go to work, I gotta eat, I gotta shower. It's just being in constant state of conversation with the Lord, like constantly talking to him, like nothing in your daily routine is above the Lord. Nothing's above a conversation with him. Prayer, it awakens our heart to hear what God's saying. Let me just be real honest with you. There was a big portion in time in my ministry early on where it was all about me, all about what I was going to do, where I was going to preach. And I found out I was just telling God everything that I was going to do with my life, but I wasn't listening to what God was trying to do with my life. And I hit this thing called a lack of success. And all of a sudden, everything that I built kept crumbling. And I realized something. I had to go back to my intentions. I had to get back to recentering my focus on him. I had to listen. And we have a lot of believers that do a good job talking, but not many that do a good job listening. And then also, prayer man. It's most effective when it has the right motives. That seems elementary, but it's just true. Your prayers are most effective when it's motivated by the right way, like pure genuine relationship with the Lord, a genuine conversation with the Lord. But prayer prayers not meant, it's not meant to be several things. The first is to show off your vocabulary. Look, I, I told you I grew up, I grew up in the, I grew up in Selma, North Carolina. All right, you've never seen it. You've never heard of it. You will blink and go right through it. And, uh, you know, I went to church with the old church ladies, with the church mother that, you know, she had like a fourth grade, fifth grade education. She wasn't going to stand up there and wow you with her vocabulary. But let me tell you what, when she prayed, she prayed. Like, and you weren't also getting away from her. She found you in the altar. You were going to be there a while. Like, she got you. Like, like it's not to show off your vocabulary. It's not to establish your importance in the kingdom of, hey, look at me. I can pray. I'm a good prayer. I'm going to pray in this room and I'm going to pray and get all the attention right here. It's also not to impress others with your spirituality, right? You gotta think about the context of the day. Like, synagogue leaders would literally pray out loud on street corners to gather attention. and said the, the really generous, like bigotry generous people had trumpeteers that went with them. Like, can you imagine that? Like, I'm giving money to Billy today. You know, like, it's real weird. But Jesus is tackling this very, this very subject. He's saying, hey, All those people that got the hype and the attention, praying out loud and you're wild with their vocabulary, guess what? They've already received their reward. And it's not me. It's not my plan. I want you to write this down, man. Prayer bragged about robs the intention. It robs the intention. It robs the intimacy. It robs uh, the connection. It has the absolutely opposite effect of the original intent. And instead of drawing you closer to God through prayer, Instead of revealing what God has for you uh, in in prayer, it literally pulls him away from you. It draws you closer to the crowd and closer to man and closer to the attention and the praise of man. And if the praise from man is what you want to receive, guess what? The praise of man is exactly what you will receive. But you won't receive anything that God has for you. Praise of man is exactly what God's got for you. Like, like. You'll see everybody. You'll hear the praise of man when you're praying out loud and you're just trying to gather all the attention. I'm not saying don't pray out loud ever. I'm just saying when you're doing it with the wrong motives, you'll receive the praise of man, but you'll never hear a response from the Lord. I've gotten to a point in my life and my ministry, man, where I kind of don't care. Uh, I know that you're supposed to get that late, like 60, 65. Like you get to that point where you're just kind of like, I'm doing whatever I'm going to do. Like I'm at the point now where I'm just like, man, if, if, the Lord has released me to do it through his word. I'm going to do it. Like, I, I want to see God move. I'm not going to tell him he's going to do it A, B, and C on Wednesdays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. I'm not going to tell him he can't have my morning time or just my evening. Like, I'm, I'm saying, God, you do whatever you want to do in my life, God. You're the only attention that I want. The Father's the only attention and approval that I need. And you got to get to this habit where you're just like, that's what I want. That's what I want. The third thing that he talks about uh, is, is this, this word fasting, right? Fasting. The purpose of fasting, it should be an aware and sobering thought that the very first time that Jesus ever mentions fasting in all the Bible is he, he starts by tackling the motive behind it. It should, it should let you know that it's real easy to fast with the wrong motive. And he says, hey, hey when you fast, don't, don't draw attention to yourself. Don't look like your face is disfigured or you're upset or you're mad. Like, like don't draw attention to yourself. Like, you need to fast for the right reasons and fast, make it look like you're not fasting, like, like you've eaten for days. Like, you know, do your hair, put some gel up in it, like make yourself look good, smile, shave for once. I want you, I want you to write this down because this is important. To use spiritual discipline as a means to your own ends always is a sign of false religion. Always. Like, to use... Fasting just because I like I'm gonna fast because I really need to diet, not because I'm trying to be a spiritual. Like I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna tell everybody that I'm fasting so that they can be like, wow, you haven't eaten when? Like what you're doing is is you're you're literally experiencing like false religion, the very thing that that Jesus is preaching against in this moment. And we do, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. We're about to start 21 days of prayer uh, in just a couple of weeks. And I want to encourage you get here. 6 a.m., 6 p.m., either one. Both if you want to be extra spiritual. And jump in and get involved. But man, we fast and we pray in the beginning of the year. And it's powerful times of God. Fasting just unlocks something in our hearts and in our minds. It's a great humbler. It's a good reset button. And I want to encourage you to do it, but do it with the right motives. Now, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I feel like uh, the American church that I experienced as a young man, uh, as a young believer, and some of the things that I saw on TV and, you know, televangelism and everything, it, it always was about the blessing and the benefit of spiritual behavior. Like, it's always about the blessings. Like, name it, claim it, you know. Decree and declare it's going to happen exactly the way that you say it's going to happen. There's a difference between praying with authority and then praying and trying to get an authority to listen to you. Because that's what we do, right? We, we pray to God and, and we do things, uh, name it, claim it. We try, we try to enforce God's hand as if, as if our prayers can stop God's original intent and plan for all of humanity and him just him drop his plans and be like, you know what, that's a pretty good idea. Didn't think of that one myself. Like, what, you, ever, you ever try to be in a relationship with somebody that just wasn't supposed to be, and you're like trying to force your hand, you're praying God to bless you, and God's like, listen, I am over here, and you are over there. And we were walking two separate ways. And it's somewhere somebody said, but you just need to claim it. It'll happen. No, it won't. No, it won't. If you come at it in the right heart, God will give you the desires of your heart, but he'll never give you a desire that's contrary to his plan and his will. Then <laughs> We've been diving through this book, The Celebration of Discipline, by Richard Foster. You should read it. It's fantastic. And uh, we've, been, we've been going through that on First Saturday Prayer. And uh, Richard Foster has this quote about, about fasting. I want to read it. Man, At times, there is such a stress on the blessings and benefit of fasting that we would be tempted to believe that with a little fast, we could have the world, including God, eating out the palm of our hand. Man, it's real easy to wander into that. Just being real. It's real easy for you to wander into the fact that I've fasted for 21 days so God has to give me everything that I prayed for and everything that I asked for. That's just not true. You have to have the right motive and to have the wrong motive and have that kind of motive is to deny the sovereignty of God and to tell him, hey, I know more than you do. Please steer all of humanity towards my decision and my will and my direction. And talking with, with fasting and And, uh, you know, Joseph can come out. Ben can come out. I want to read verse 16 through 18 again. It's important. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your father, who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. Why don't you write this down right here? Provoking attention while fasting, it robs the intent of fasting. And the attention you receive will be reward in full. I think most of our wrong motives are always revolved around our self. Self-esteem, self-behavior, self-righteousness, self, self, self. And what I've found with the Lord is that God gives you the desires of your heart when they're aligned with Him. And sometimes God will allow you to wreck your desires so that you realize that His plan was right at the beginning. And sometimes we, we, we get in this moment and uh, right, right we're fasting, we're drawing attention, we want to receive this reward of the attention of those around us and we want to build ourselves up and God gives us exactly what we want. He gives us more of ourself but less of Him. And I'm telling you, I've, I've been in a stage in my life where all I wanted was more of myself, right? I've been a selfish individual in the past. Still battle some of that today. But I learned a long time ago, man, if, I just can, if we could just hit reverse on the life of Ben Warwick, I learned a long time ago that if I, just, if I just get back to only wanting the attention of God, he gives me the things that I'm asking because I'm not gonna ask for anything that's out of a line. I'm gonna be in such a tight relationship with Him that, like, what I want is what God wants for me. He wants for my kids and He wants for my family. It's not a secret. It's not, there's no secret sauce to how you do it or how you pray or you gotta fast in this particular order. Like, you have to have a relationship with God. And many people don't have a relationship with God, they have a knowledge of Him and they know who He is. And they think that Jesus is a great, great teacher and a great preacher. They even love the music and they love the lights. And they love the laughter. They love the things that make a church community great, but they've never fully surrendered to God. What I love about fasting is it's it's like real surrender. It's, it's like tangible surrender. Fasting, fasting with the right motives, it recenters your focus on the Lord. I can't begin to describe to you the powerful moments I've had when I've just, I've just hit the reset button. I pushed the plate away. I didn't eat. And I took that time and I replaced it with just some time talking to God. Some of the biggest breakthroughs my whole family has ever received have been in times of prayer and fasting. And it wasn't, for the th- and it wasn't because during that time I was asking for that breakthrough. God knew what I needed. He saw my level of commitment. He saw my surrender. He saw my intentionality in our relationship. And he says, I want to bless that. Like, I want to bless somebody who loves me like that. Man, fasting is self-reflective. What fasting will do is fasting will reveal things in your life that you didn't think were a problem, but really are a problem. Like bitterness. Unforgiveness. Anger. Poor diet choices. Like it will reveal things to you. It's like a magnifying glass between you and God and you're looking at all the things that you've been hiding in the back parts of your heart. And the third thing, it humbles your soul, man. It'll break you down. It'll humble you. But it'll humble you in the right way. In fact, Jensen Franklin's got a great book on fasting if you want one. And he says, uh, fasting is not just a physical discipline, but it can be a spiritual feast. And I'm telling you, man, prayer, generosity, fasting, when it's done with the right motive, it is the spiritual table that God is laying out before you and me. And the reason why you haven't gotten to eat of that is because you're not just walked in it in the right way. But man, when you get at that table, buddy, it's incredible the things that God reveals. Maybe you don't have joy. I want to challenge you today. Draw closer to the Lord. I promise you, you'll find the joy that you're missing. I want you to write this. This is what I feel like is the big thought in this whole section. It's like it's repeated three or four times. Here's the big thought: it's this: righteousness paired with unselfish motives always yields to kingdom blessing. But righteousness paired with the wrong motives, it always leads to failure. Man, but if you get If you get a line right, like if you get your motive right, it's okay. It's okay to be in this house and to sit back and say, I admit, I've had some wrong motives. Like how else can you get better if you don't admit that you're sick to begin with? You know, I just just want you to know that Jesus didn't pick three random topics, okay? He picked three things that are absolutely foundational for you and I as a believer. Give. Give without having a trumpeter walk with you. Everyone, look, I'm putting money in the little black bucket on my way out the door. Everyone watch. I'm going to put it in here. Just give, just give, give digitally. No one ever know. Like, just give, give to your neighbor anonymously. Like, bless people. Be generous with not just what you have, but your time and your talent and your energy, man. Just be generous with it in the right way without ever expecting something in return. When you give with the wrong motive, expecting something in return, I found out something you always end up really disappointed. But when you give and there's no string attached, if they come back and bless you, hey, that's awesome. If they never come back and bless you, hey, that's awesome. It's just a different feel. You picked prayer because prayer, man, and I told you it's more has been done for the kingdom through prayer. And if you will just begin to pray with the right motives and pray, not just wanting to speak to God, but to listen to God, to grow your relationship with him, God will begin to reveal things in your heart and your mind. He'll begin to reveal just new aspects and deeper parts of his relationship. And then, then if you want to fast, man, I want to, I want to challenge somebody today. I feel like somebody's watching online today and you have never fasted before. And even when I talked about it, you have like major anxiety about it. Like you don't, you don't think you can do it. I want to challenge you to do it. I feel like somebody in this room, like you're on the edge of a next level relationship with God that if you were real honest, like you've wanted, you've wanted it. You just not put your hands to the plow and gone that way. There's no better time than right now. Man, let's just hit the reset button today. Can we do that? The Bible says, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. That means the things that we do, the wrong motives that we have behind the scenes, they're always revealed. So, why have the wrong motives? You're going to get caught eventually. But also what that also tells me is all the things that I commit to God in the private, the prayer closet life, the giving behind the scenes, the fasting when nobody knows that. Guess what? It's going to be brought to light because God's going to bless me, promote me, open doors for me. And he's going to surround me with the love and the spiritual relationship that I long for. Because behind the scenes, my character matched the same character that I'm displaying in public. I'm gonna close with, with this question today, I man. I let's just talk about it for ten seconds. What's motivating your spiritual behavior? Like literally, why are you here today? Do you think God's in heaven with some gold stars on an attendance sheet, and He's like, they made it on the 25th? Not, ah, they didn't make next week. And then when you get to heaven, there's gonna be some pecking order of people who didn't miss a Sunday and those who did. What's your motives for, for participating in fasting? What's your motives for giving? Like, do you want your name on a building? Give to a school. They'll put your name on a building in a minute. You want to see a kingdom impact? Man, give to the, give to the Lord's house without ever telling anybody. And watch God do things for your home and your business and your family and your relationships and your emotional stability that you never saw come in. Why? Because you chose to be generous with the right motive. What's motivating you spiritually? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around the room. You know, I've talked a lot about a relationship with God today. I've talked a lot about, like, byproducts and aspects of a relationship with God. But maybe you're in here, maybe you're in here and you can just be real honest. Like, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Like, you know who he is, you're here today. But you don't know that if you died today, you'd actually stand before him. You don't know that you actually can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, like, I've asked Jesus into my heart before. I want to give you that opportunity today. Maybe you're in here and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe for the first time. I just want you to lift your hand. I want to pray over you. Nothing weird is going to happen. I just want to pray. Raise your hand high. Maybe you're in here and I see that hand in the back, sir maybe you're in here and you could say, Pastor Ben, like, I, this being real, I need to reset. I've had some wrong motives. Maybe in the past, maybe even in the present. Like, I, I just need to draw my attention back to God. I need to reset with God. I need to stay more focused with Him. Like, I just need a, a new beginning today. I just ask Him for a little bit of prayer, a little bit of courage. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand, because I want to pray every you right now. Thank you, all over the room. Man, thank you for being honest with yourself today. If you were the one person who raised your hand to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to pray this prayer with me and to show you that we're a family, we're going to all pray it out loud together. Can we do that? Say, dear Heavenly Father, I realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and make me whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, can you give it up for the person who gave their heart to the Lord? Now I want to pray real fast for everybody else that raised their hand, because I believe this is going to be that the remainder of 2021. If you'll commit to the right motives with your spiritual walk, will be the best, the best year you'll ever have. In the name of Jesus, I speak that.